Tales of the New World by S.D. Hudson The day the Sassany stopped gossiping. Chapter 1 A Windy Day It was a cold morning in the New World Meadow, and the mist sat heavy in the dew-soaked grass. Up in the larches, the birds were calling the morning sun to warm their frosted feathers. And hanging high above their heads, the clouds had cupped the remains of the night before to let the morning rays trickle through. It was a new day, and as with the start of every new day, the golden-haired Sassany was busy hanging the washing. For only the Sassany is qualified enough to attempt that. She's the only one who knows how to extract oil from the cones foraged in the Old World cops. And she's the only one who can blend the oil with New World herbs to produce the stacks of soap necessary for the great mound of washing that appears each week. And all this she does without subjecting the new world to any remnants of old world poison. Now this day being much like any other, the Sassany began by counting her precious pegs, then collecting them into coloured piles before placing them deep into her pockets. She had to be certain they would match of course, but nothing could be worse than pegs that didn't match. And happy in her endeavours, she began to sing. For her peg song was the one thing that made the task all that more enjoyable. I got some pegs in me pocket, I'm about all set. I got some pegs in me pocket, now me towels I'll get. And I'll make such a line of a white, I bet. I'm the happiest girl around. Maybe blue, maybe yellow, maybe pink and green But they got to be matching if they're to be seen If my line the best in the meadow be I'm the happiest girl around If I'm honest I'll say No secret could be safe my way But I can't help but wanna be The one they come to when they need me. And with a broad smile that lit up her eyes of china blue, she began to dance in between the towels as they swayed to and fro, to and fro in the early morning sun. She wasn't aware the sharp-toothed bunnit was watching and waiting behind a cluster of camellia bushes. Then sensing a lull in the volume, he revealed himself. That's charming. 
You've a splendid voice, you know. You should be using it more often. The Sassany jumped out of her skin, then composed herself behind a particularly large cotton sheet, before taking a deep breath and bustling her way through the other side to face him. I'll be off with you, Jeremiah, you and your charm. But secretly she was flattered, which was precisely what Jeremiah had intended. He needed to broach the subject of her latest gossip, but he was not looking forward to it, for the golden-haired Sassany was a force to be reckoned with. Not here to help, then, I trust, joked the Sassany, secretly alarmed at the mere thought of it. Being a bunyip, Jeremiah's two pairs of sharp dew claws could quite easily have torn her pristine bedsheets to shreds. Not today. Dare say you got the whole thing in hand, anyhow, am I right? As always, the Sassany winked, oblivious as to what the bunyip was about to say next. And so he began, not relishing the task, but committed to it nevertheless. There's been some alarming talk, far-fetched nonsense about the boggetry coming back to the meadow. Would you be knowing anything about this? But rather than face the music, the Sassany chose to ignore him by stooping down and picking up the many pegs she had purposely dropped. Then all at once, as if aware of her need to escape, a huge gust of wind lifted up her many skirts and filled her bloomers so she rose up into the air like a parachute. Peg your skirts round your legs quickly now, Jeremiah shouted, making a grab for her. But the winds were just too strong, and things being the way they were, the Sassany decided she was probably better off in the sky than having to face him on the ground. And you never know. I might just hear some fresh news while I'm out and about, she said to herself as she rose higher still. Then waving at Jeremiah as she flew off, she called, Never you fear, Jeremiah. What's news now is history tomorrow. I'm sure it's all just a misunderstanding. It'll all come out in the wash. And with a chuckle and a wink, she turned to face the way ahead, without giving a second thought as to where she had been. But the Sassany had underestimated the land of winter and its intentions, for it was they who had sent the unruly winds, and it was they who had now got her precisely where they wanted her. Chapter 2 The Wendell Witches It was some time before the wind eased, but when it did, the Sassany opened her eyes again to see huge swirls of mist circling all about her. So dense were they, it was almost impossible to see clearly, but the moment her feet touched solid ground, the mists cleared to reveal the brow of a little hill and a cottage to match. She was now a long way away from the safety of the meadow, but she was so excited at the prospect of hearing all the new gossip from the people inside the cottage that she failed to acknowledge the danger she was in. For this was the land of winter, and the land of winter is not always the friendliest of places. She knocked and waited. It was cold outside and she wanted so desperately to be in the warm. 
but she needn't have worried herself, for almost immediately the door opened to reveal a large table at which sat a gaggle of very loud, very chatty Wendell witches. Now, at this point, I will have to explain what a Wendell witch is, as not many of us will have come across them before. A Wendell witch is someone who builds her fortunes on the misfortunes of others. Not that she always sets out to do it, but that she does it nevertheless. With a face similar to an old world cat and pointed ears designed to pick up any gossip travelling on the breeze, a Wendell witch is a surprisingly pretty creature and this makes her all the more dangerous. Come in, come in, the first witch beckoned as she brushed aside the many layers of fabric wrapped around her long, pale arms. And hot under the gaze of her many companions, the Sassany felt she really had no choice but to comply. Now take a seat, don't be shy, the first witch continued, eager to get the Sassany just where she wanted her. So the Sassany sat down, albeit rather uncomfortably, for the chairs were designed for Wendell witches, not someone her size. Well, that was a fierce wind, she began, eager to find out exactly where she was. But the Wendell witches were not interested in speaking of that they already knew, for it was they who had sent the winds to get her. Yes, yes, it surely was. The first witch agreed, handing the Sassany a sweet-smelling drink as recompense. But the Sassany was dishevelled from her windy trip. It's so lovely to meet you. Please make yourself comfortable. We love to discover new people and let them in on all our little secrets. Now the prospect of hearing their juicy gossip was something the Sassany really could not resist. So she accepted the goblet handed to her and drank greedily. It had been some time since she had eaten and the liquid was sweet and thick, much like a chocolate milkshake from the old world. Then before she had time to register the snow-capped view from where she sat and so realise exactly where she was, she fell into a deep trance. Little did she know she had just partaken in a do-what-you're-told potion, and she was about to do just that. This is perfect, perfect, one which delighted, clapping her hands, whilst another exclaimed, this is exactly what we wanted, one of the meadow folk, and who better than this gullible one? She'll do anything for a bit of gossip. Yes, laughed another, and all the while the Sassany listened, but could do nothing to save herself. So how are we going to do this? asked one of the witches. It'll be easy. We'll take her down to the lake ourselves. Then we'll stick her in. Before you know it, she'll have pegged all the lotus roots on the bank. And we'll never have to share with the land of spring again. If they want some roots in the future, they'll just have to come to us, won't they? The others chuckled as they made their plans. Their feud with the land of spring had been ongoing since the meadow had declared they were to share the great lakes and the lotus roots, the medicine that grew there. The land of spring were happy to do so, but the land of winter being the land of winter, they wanted control of the lakes. And this was a sure fire way to get it.
Chapter 3 The Lake It didn't take long for the potion to work, and unable to challenge the Wendell witches, the Sassany found herself at the edge of the lake before she knew it. She gazed into its icy depths, and there in its reflection was the sky, her one connection to the meadow, her one connection to home. She knew now she had been too hasty in wanting to leave for a promise of something with no real value whatsoever. For what was gossip if there were no friends to share it with? She should never have gossiped about the bogatry, that one person who had caused the meadow so much destruction in the past. She couldn't blame Jeremiah for wanting to reprimand her, but then that was why he was a master and she wasn't. Along with the truffle pog, the cockatrice and the deli lala, the bunyip was one of the most powerful of the meadow folk, nay, all the new world folk put together. They were masters for a reason, because they had made a pledge to the wise one, a pledge to place their own wants and desires to the deepest part of their being as best as they could in order to devote their lives to the meadow and so the well-being of the world they valued above everything else. This was something the Sassany was not strong enough to do, as much as she wanted to right at that very moment. Now in you go, said witch number one, jolting her from her reflections, and the Sassany couldn't help but comply. It's freezing, she complained, but she stepped in nevertheless, and once in, her meadow energy lit up the murky expanse. She looked around. The lotus roots were floating to the surface. Her energy had pulled at the roots, and now she could collect them. She pegged them to the great leaves growing around and about at the lake's perimeter, just as she had been told. The Wendell witches would dry and harvest them, and then they would claim them all as their own. The Sassany knew this was not right. This was medicine, and it should be shared between the two lands. But the Wendell witches were from the land of winter, and they were a law unto themselves. Meanwhile, back in the meadow, Jeremiah was becoming increasingly worried. He had spoken to the other masters and they had all agreed the cockatrice should be the one to rescue the Sassany. Hailing from the land of winter herself, she knew precisely where such cold winds had come from and she was more than prepared for any underhand ways. She looked over to the larches. The washing was almost dry. It would be no time at all before the rest of the meadow knew the Sassany was missing for the Sassany was never late with her washing, and there was, of course, nobody else who could do it. This won't take long, the cockatrice stated matter-of-factly, and the others had no doubt what she said was true. Just be careful now, Jeremiah reminded her. Then, ruffling her copper-coloured feathers, the cockatrice gave him a sharp look before clicking her long beak. This will be a short trip, Jeremiah. Make no mistake about that. And Jeremiah smiled. 
for Tenua was a force to be reckoned with and well known in the land of winter as such. If any one of the masters should deal with this problem, it was her. And so, taking a deep breath in through the small apertures in her beak, Fortenua filled her chest with new old air and pulled the energy up from her claws, through her clues into her chest, where it transformed itself into Beck Chi, her dazzling bright light energy. It filled the space around her with a glow the shade of ruby red and her bright eyes sparkled in its very brilliance. Her feathers were standing on end now and spreading them into a huge fan, she rose vertically to face the storm that the Wendell witches had sent to protect themselves. Chapter 4 Sharing is Caring the cockatrice was furious. This wasn't the first time the Wendell witches had given the land of winter a bad name. In fact, they were the reason the land of winter and the land of spring could never see eye to eye. The Wendell witches were greedy and they refused to work alongside others. Now the cockatrice knew all that was left was to remind the Wendell witches of their place and to reassure them that just because she was a master now and she lived in the meadow, it didn't mean she had forgotten all about their little tricks and deceitful ways. But having cut through the storm with the precision of a sharpened blade and swooped down to the great lake, Fortenua was not prepared for what she saw, for the Sassany had somehow managed to come round from the potion and was now in the centre of them all, goading them with the roots and refusing to hand them over. And don't think I won't, she was yelling. You should be ashamed of yourselves, refusing to share. It's disgusting if you ask me. I don't know who you lot think you are, but I'm a Sassany, and us Sassanys won't be told what to do by the likes of you skinny little wretches. The cheek of it, I ask you. Oh, hello, Forten, you all right? Fortenua wanted to laugh, which was rare for her, but if anybody could make her laugh, it was the Sassany. Looks like you've got everything under control. I don't know why I bother. But those who shout the loudest aren't necessarily the ones who are heard. And the Wendell witches seemed a lot more concerned with the arrival of the cockatrice than they were by the loud protestations of the Sassany. Oh, she's back. How nice, said the first witch. We thought you'd forgotten about us and the land you were brought up in. Laced with poison, the comment was unwelcome and uncalled for, but Fortenua was a master now and refused to rise to such pettiness. Come, she turned to the Sassany, the washing is almost dry, enough of this folly. But the Wendell witches refused to be ignored and gathering around the two meadow folk, they began to chant. Gossip she tells and gossip she is, nothing but Gossip the sassy she gives. Gossip she tells and gossip she is. Nothing but gossip the sassy she gives. Gossip she tells and gossip she is. And so it went on faster and faster until the sassy began to shake. She had escaped their control once by consuming the lotus root. But it couldn't save her from this. And realising she would have to do something fast, 
the cockatrice spread her wings once more to create a barrier of copper and red from which their chance bounced right back at them, knocking the Wendell witches to the ground. Then all at once she screeched, Don't move! And grabbing the Sassanese collar, she lifted her off the ground and flew away before the Wendell witches had a chance to realise just what had happened. It was no time at all before they were back in the meadow, and the Sassany was doing what she did best, gossiping about what had happened in the land of winter. But this gossip was a little more restrained, and for once, only about herself. For seeing how much the meadow folk had missed her, and how valuable she was, the Sassany now understood. She didn't need to always be the one telling the stories and knowing the latest news. She was loved and valued as the one who looked after the washing, which was, after all, one of the most important jobs, and a job the meadow simply couldn't do without. The end.